Hello, my name is Tia, and this is my journey on how I learned to bloom. Thanks for joining me. Hey, everybody. I thought that I would continue the conversation about mental health. So I have my cousin Caitlin here with me, and we're actually going to be talking about her diagnosis of obsessive compulsive disorder. Hi, Katie. Hi. Um, Okay, so we're just going to jump right into it. Katie, tell me about being diagnosed with... OCD and if you felt like that was a shocking diagnosis or if it kind of made sense and just all of your feelings surrounding that. Okay so I was diagnosed probably four or five years ago maybe now but I've had anxiety since I think 12 is when I vividly remember having an anxiety attack so I've had it for more than 10 years but only been diagnosed for the last five. But I didn't know I had it. I honestly thought, and I'm sure lots of people are like this, but I honestly thought I was the only one that was like that. Mm-hmm. I used to see, and I should still see, haven't been in a while, but a psychologist, and she is the one that diagnosed me with OCD. And thinking back to my first appointment with her, I now see that the questions that she was asking me were leading me in that direction. Like, she was trying to figure out if that's what it was or not. But at the time, I had no idea. Mm. And even when she diagnosed me, I was like, hmm, like, that doesn't really, like, I don't think that's what it is. Mm. And I honestly think it's the misconception that surrounds OCD Mm -hmm. rather than me not agreeing with her diagnosis, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did go home and do my own research, and I realized that, it's exactly what it is and it makes so much sense and yeah if I had only known like that's what OCD is actually like mm-hmm. um, I probably would have got there sooner but yeah yeah because we're always led to believe like okay well you know because everyone says like oh yeah no I have to keep things this certain way because oh, it's my OCD like we're led to believe that it's being the most clean person in the world and then like obsessively washing your hands or obsessively flicking light switches and I mean obviously it can be those things but I think like it's a misconception that that's only what it is yeah I actually remember after that first appointment getting in the car with my mom because she had driven me there and I told her what she had said and that she told me that I had OCD and my mom was like you don't have OCD your room's a disaster right and I was like yeah, you're right. My room is a disaster. Um, but yeah, that's not... OCD and cleanliness are not at all related. Mm-hmm. Um, just a note, I'm a clean person. I shower regularly. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just... I feel like OCD is associated very heavily with cleanliness as well as numbers. Like, you always see on TV that person that's like, oh, I have to turn the light on and off six times before I do anything. Mm -hmm. Or I have to wash my hands six times. Or I have to, you know, whatever it is. Um, And I don't have the numbers association. Um, So that's one thing where I was like, "Mm, that doesn't make sense. But that's just one part of it. Mm -hmm. Um, People who have OCD are split into categories. Or, like, they have categories. Their whole life is put into categories. So, for example, like some of my categories are germs. So germs do bother me. Um, Doing something wrong, that's another category. And anything that 
is going to give me anxiety falls into one of these categories. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Could you maybe give us some examples of things that would fall into each one of those categories and then, you know, basically how that would make you feel and what you have to do in order to cope through that? Sure. Um, So one of the examples I like to give for the germs is I have this guitar and it was given to me by an old man. And when he gave me the guitar, he said, when you don't want to play it anymore, give it back to me. And which is fine. I still have the, the guitar. I don't ever plan on giving it back to him. <laughs> I'm never going to be done playing it. But I remember there being a time where every time that I would go to play it, I would need to wash my hands because I thought that if I didn't wash my hands and I touched the guitar, if I gave the guitar back to him, I would get him sick and kill him. Mm. Like that's where my brain goes. Okay. Um. So this is a side note, and this is maybe way too much information, but people who have OCD also ha- still have that logical thinking. Like, I know that, like, I wouldn't kill him if, you know, he got sick by touching the guitar. Mm-hmm. I logically know that, mm-hmm. but the anxiety part of my brain is like, no, that's how it would happen. Mm. And that just sort of takes over, and that you panic and whatever, so the that's the obsessive part i was like i'm gonna kill this man if i don't wash my hands before i play the guitar the compulsive part of it is so i would wash my hands um before i play every single time and so that's the compulsive part and yeah so that falls into the germs category and there are many other things throughout the day that you know would fall into the germs category but yeah, mostly for people, the germs category is washing your hands. That's the that's the compulsion, mm-hmm. and that's a pretty common one for OCD. I think I'm not an expert, but mm-hmm. and that's the one that most people know about. I think mm-hmm. um, another category for me is doing something wrong, and this is a huge category, and I haven't found anything to make it smaller. I don't know, like it's so broad. Like, I don't know if there's anything that it can be broken down more into, but this could be, like, physically doing something wrong. Like, you know, I checked this box instead of this box. Or it could be something that's, like, morally wrong. This this one, for me, is a lot work-school related. Um, Especially when I was a student in university, you know, and they always drill into your head, like, academic integrity and you can't cheat and whatever. I would always convince myself that I had cheated. Mm. And so, yeah, school is really hard for me, especially because, you know, most people do cheat in university. That's just... Mm-hmm. And so they talk about it all the time. You don't cheat, you know. And so that was just being drilled into my head all the time. And so the that's the obsessive part. I was obsessing about not cheating. The compulsive part would be I either, so I stopped asking other people for help um, with assignments or anything like that. I sometimes stopped doing assignments. For example, if I heard someone talking about a specific question on an assignment, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that question. Or maybe I just wouldn't do the assignment. Just to ensure that I wasn't cheating. And it was like 
almost to the point where sometimes I wouldn't even want to like Google how to do something mm. to like learn it from the internet. Like okay. that was also cheating. So school was very hard, especially because you go to school to learn these things. Mm-hmm. And obviously you don't know them going in, you know, not being able to ask for help or, mm-hmm. you know, it just made it really difficult. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, the compulsive part of that is, you know, not doing the assignments, not doing the questions, not asking for help. So I did not do well in school because of those things. Right. But also because that's all I think about, worry about is not cheating as opposed to like doing well in my studies. Mm-hmm. So yeah, didn't do the best in school, but D's do get degrees. Yeah. Kids. <laughs> Moral of the story. I like that saying D's do get degrees. Yes, they do. We love it. That must have been really difficult to experience. Okay, so can we back up a bit to your diagnosis? Mm -hmm. During the time that you received your diagnosis, you were already seeing this psychologist because you were experiencing, you know, extreme anxiety and you thought like, okay, what's going on? I need help? Yeah. Okay. So it actually had nothing to do with the diagnosis itself. Like I wasn't going to her to get a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. I was just in such a low place that... My mom finally convinced me to go talk to someone. Mm, okay. Yeah, so she was, like, this saving grace. Like, she was like, uh, you're not actually the only one that's like this. Mm-hmm. And because you have something that so many other people have, mm-hmm. like, this is, you know, how we can deal with that and cope with it. Right. Um, which is amazing. I always recommend going to talk to someone, especially if you're at a point where you don't know what else to do. Mm-hmm. Talking to someone is super helpful no, like if only you get out of it that you're not the only one that feels like that that's such a big thing totally yeah that sense of not feeling alone is huge yeah okay so that was the person that you were seeing consistently for a bit even though you're not now yes okay and really one of the main reasons that I'm not seeing her currently is just because with COVID it was just really hard like obviously you couldn't go see your therapist mm-hmm. in person mm-hmm and so for me, um, it was just really hard to do it online over Zoom. One, because I live in the boonies. And so <laughs> the internet is absolute shite. Um, but also we were doing a type of therapy called EMDR. And that just was really difficult to do online. Okay, so EMDR, can you explain what that is exactly? So EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. And it's used for um, mainly, I think, people who suffer from PTSD. Mm. And basically what it is, is you move your eyes really fast and it's supposed to help you unlock parts of your brain to help you reprocess things that have happened to you traumatic experiences and reprocess them and use more of a logical mind and just by moving your eyes your brain is able to do that like subconsciously and by the end of the session you're supposed to feel better from you know lighter from all of those experiences that you've had okay okay and so in person it's much easier because what we would do is i would basically follow her finger Mm. like she would just move her finger back and forth really fast Mm -hmm. so then my eyes would just follow her or she also had these 
I don't even know how to mini vibrators. I don't <laughs> I don't know how else to explain it, but bullets. <laughs> yeah. She would like hold this remote and there'd be a vibrator in each hand and then they would like one would vibrate and then the other one would vibrate mm. does that make sense yeah and it would go back and forth really fast and just having those your senses like move to either side of your body okay it would sort of do the same thing interesting but yeah doing those things over zoom is really difficult so yeah fair enough instead of being a normal person and just dealing with it i was like I don't need therapy. <laughs> yeah, this is your excuse to get out of therapy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. Yeah, I've heard I've heard about the rapid eye movement and yeah, no, the PTSD that makes sense because um my mom actually suggested that maybe I should try that, which I haven't yet, but and, and I'm like I'm seeing a good therapist right now that's kind of doing a rewriting of the story work with me that isn't rapid eye movement so you know i'm headed down a good path but i think if anything ever changes then i would try that for sure it's the craziest thing because you're like how does me moving my eyeballs yeah like do that but for me every session that i've ever had i started bawling and like it wasn't even like like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, it would just be in the middle of me moving my eyeballs. All of a sudden, I'm sobbing uncontrollably. And every person that I've talked to that has also done the EMDR, they've also had that. Like, okay. you don't ever leave a session with dry eyes. Ever. Interesting. But it's not like you're talking about your feelings or anything. Mm-hmm. You're just moving your eyeballs. Oh, the brain is so insane. So insane. Is this a common treatment for OCD? I don't know, actually. And I think my psychologist, she said that they have used it. I don't know um, for OCD, but I don't know if it's common. Okay. Like, maybe people aren't open to it. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, that r- rapid eye movement for PTSD, do you feel like you're suffering from PTSD? And if so, is it in regards to the OCD? Like, what is the connection with that, if there is a connection? Um, I don't think I have PTSD per se, um, but the thing with OCD is they don't know what gives someone OCD. Mm. I don't even know if that's the best way to say it, but, and I'm not a neuroscientist, I have no idea, I'm not a professional, but they haven't determined whether or not someone's born with it or Mm. if there's an experience you've had in your life that would cause you to have OCD Mm -hmm. no one knows so I think part of it would be like in a case where maybe there's an experience that gave you the OCD Mm -hmm. um I'm saying it like it's an STD it's not an STD but (laughs) um like if there was some experience that triggered it Yeah. yeah yeah then maybe that would help you know, relieve some of those feelings that you would have, like, say, towards germs or whatever it be, but... Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, there was something else I was going to say about that, too. Oh, um, another very common treatment and one of the most successful treatments for OCD is called um, exposure therapy. Yes, exposure therapy. Okay. And I feel like 
the EMDR is similar in that you're just head on going towards those places that maybe you don't want to in your brain mm-hmm. and reprocessing those. Um, where in exposure therapy, for example, if I talk about the guitar again, I would make myself not wash my hands and go through the anxiety and realize that no one has died. Mm-hmm. And I have to do that over and over again. And then my brain would be like, okay, maybe this is okay. And then, you know, you'd work up to other things and do other things and until you get to a place where you can do daily things at least somewhat normally. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. So Katie and I have talked about exposure therapy before because if you've listened to my last week's episode about my mental health challenges, you know that I have a buttload of them. And um, I did talk about intrusive thoughts in that episode. And yeah, whenever Katie and I talk, I, I like pick her brain about OCD so much because there are parts of me that wonders if there's a diagnosis hidden there for myself, which wouldn't be shocking considering the fact that it runs in the family. I mean, obviously we don't know exactly, but, um, so yeah, so exposure therapy, when Katie told me about that, I was like, oh my God, yeah, I kind of already do that because I was having such intense, uh, intrusive thoughts about someone breaking into the home. And you know what? I actually didn't mention this in my mental health episode, but yeah, I'd be laying in bed and I would think like, did I lock the doors? Okay. You know, that's normal. Did you lock the doors? Right? Well, I don't know. I I don't know if I did it. Get up, lock the doors. I'd lay down in bed. Okay. But did I actually lock it? Like, did I just imagine waking up and locking it? Or maybe did I hear it click? Like, did I actually lock it? Did I lock it good enough? So then I'd get up again, check it. And God, I would do that like five times sometimes. Did I lock it good enough? Did it click? Is the latch all the way down? And so, yeah, I at some point was like, okay, this is not typical. <laughs> this something's not right. And so I just would try to force myself to not get up. And holy fuck, that was hard. The anxiety I would feel was insane. So, and who knows? Like, obviously, I'm sure there are since certain situations where a person can have intrusive thoughts like that and it doesn't necessarily mean they have OCD. So I don't want to like label myself with that when I have no idea, but it just, when you said exposure therapy, it reminded me that we had talked about it before and how, yeah, it helps. It does because I don't get up and check the lock five times anymore. And obviously like there are other things in my life that have changed and have contributed to me not being so fucking anxious about someone murdering my family but yeah I'm sure the exposure therapy helped too so um now that you mentioned that uh we I guess we could talk about what because at the very beginning we you had said like and this happens to me a lot if I say to someone oh I have OCD 9.9 times out of 10 they'll be like oh I think I have a little bit of OCD yeah And I think that's them trying to be like, oh, that's not weird. Like, you know, trying to be comforting or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, It's actually super insulting because, like, I can't go through my day normally. Mm -hmm. Where maybe they just, you know, like to have their dishes, I don't know, in a certain cupboard. And someone else likes to have them in a different cupboard. Mm -hmm. Um, So what separates someone having OCD 
because like you said anyone can have intrusive thoughts Mm -hmm. you can have an intrusive thought every single day and that still wouldn't give you ocd Mm -hmm. so they say that you need to be doing your compulsions at least one hour out of the day right and that is sort of the threshold for you having ocd so if you are doing things like if you are spending an hour locking the doors every day mm-hmm. i mean obviously there's other things that you would be doing compulsion wise but doing things like locking the door in that sort of manner for one hour a day then they would consider that ocd that's right okay yeah i do remember you telling me that because yeah everyone has you know certain things that they like to do in a certain way and you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. everyone has a bit of you know, having my tea at 98 degrees or whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know. Everyone has a little bit of that in them, but that doesn't mean that you have a little bit of OCD. Exactly. That's totally different. Wouldn't you say that it's even just inaccurate to say, I have a little bit of OCD? There's no such thing. You have OCD or you don't. And if yeah. you have OCD, chances are it's debilitating and controls your life. Yeah. There's no such thing as a little bit of OCD. Yes. Right? It's exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, for me, and I'm sure... Like, there are people that have it way worse than I do. But for me, doing normal, everyday things is super hard and takes me much longer because I have to do the compulsions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's just, like, it's a battle every day. doesn't matter what it is. Like, if I'm sweeping or if I'm, you know, doing, you know, working at the office or whatever it is, it could be a little thing or a big thing. It takes me probably five times as long as anyone else right so yeah i feel like people don't really realize that it's everything mm-hmm. not just you know your dishes or you know one thing yes yeah people think oh i have something where i'm kind of particular about that must be ocd yeah no sweetie that's not how it works no 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 <laughs> Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad that you brought that up because I wanted to make sure that that was said loud and clear because that is, yeah, it's it's rude. Like, in the simplest way I can put it, it's rude. Yeah. And, yeah, I know that your thing isn't only locking the doors and so you know that it makes your life fucking hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would say anything that I experience that may fall into that category, which I have no idea, is still only a fraction of what I've seen you experience. So I just can't imagine. It's exhausting, which brings us to another topic of maybe we should talk about how exhausting it truly is because Caitlin needs a lot more extra sleep than the average person. And I thought maybe it would be good to talk about how that's related to your OCD and how yeah, you're exhausted because of all these things you have to go through. Yeah, my mom likes to joke that I'm a toddler. (laughs) (laughs) Caitlin needs to go down for her nap now. (laughs) But it's true, I do actually need so much sleep. And mostly it's just because my brain is working so hard throughout the day. For example, when I wake up in the morning, I if I'm going into the washroom to brush my teeth, I'm trying not to touch certain things. And my brain is like, mm, what if the last person that was in here didn't wash their hands that well? Like, I don't want to touch the end of my toothbrush. And then, you know, I'm making sure that I brush my teeth for at least two minutes or, you know, it's different every day depending on, you know, how much sleep I got or, you know, different things give me, make anxiety days worse and mm-hmm. whatever. But yeah, and that's just 
the first five minutes that I'm awake. And so my brain is constantly thinking about all of the possible things that could go wrong and how I would go about doing those things differently to combat those things. And so whether, yeah, it's walking upstairs or literally anything that you do, my brain is like, this is what could possibly go wrong when you do this. Here's how you're going to do it to mitigate as many of those things that could go wrong as possible. And then I go about my day. And then, you know, if something does go wrong and it gives me anxiety, then I got to, you know, backtrack and figure out how to ease my anxiety, basically. Right. And so my brain is on 24-7 all the time. And so it's just exhausting by the end of the day. I don't even want to listen to my own thoughts, you know? Totally. So I just go to bed. Totally, totally fair. Yeah, that part I feel like I I can relate to that even just from a perspective of having anxiety. The mental load of being an anxious person, no matter what category you fall under, is just, I don't think that's talked about enough. Yeah, it's exhausting. Yeah, it's a lot. You talked about when you got the diagnosis, you were like, oh, I don't know if that's right. Would you say that there was a period of time where you were like in denial? And if so, did that take a lot to come to terms with the fact that this was actually a thing for you? Or was it more like, oh, I don't think so. But then you did a quick read on it and you realized, oh, no, I'm wrong. It's no big deal. I would say when I got the diagnosis, she said, I want you to go research it for yourself. Look and see if this matches up with, you know, how your day to day is. And then we can go from there. Okay. Okay. But she was like, I keep asking you questions and basically I'm you know, pretty certain this is what it is. Mm -hmm. And so I went home, I did my research and yeah, like it was so blatantly obvious that there was no denying it. But I will say I was kind of angry at first. Mm -hmm. Like it was this, it was sort of a balance between, okay, there's something wrong with me and being upset that there was something wrong with me. But also now that there's a name to it, other people have it. This is obviously something that we can lessen or treat. I mean, there's no ever going to be getting rid of it, but, you know, make Mm -hmm. things better. Mm -hmm. So it it was, yeah, it was a balance between being angry and knowing that there was something wrong with me, but being like relieved, like there's something we can do about it. Right. Yes, totally. Yeah. Finding out that you have a thing or, oh, there's an answer to this unknown challenge that you're experiencing. That is very validating, even if there's a part of you that's grieving that. Yeah. Totally. You're currently on medication. Yes. Can you talk about that experience and how that works and how that's helped you and or how it maybe hasn't helped you, whatever, whatever comes to mind. So I guess I want to start with I've done what is it called? Cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did that first and I had, you know, people in my life being like, you need to do those things before going on medication. Like, you need to do all you can before, you know, resulting going on meds. Which I agree. Like, you know, it's not really the first thing we should jump to. But it got to the point where they were saying, you need to be exercising. You need to be getting a lot of sleep. You need to be eating well. You know, and then you will start to feel better. Where it's like this vicious cycle. Like, I couldn't do those things because... You know, I was feeling so anxious and mm-hmm. I just wanted to be in bed all the time and mm-hmm. I didn't want to get up, see anyone, go outside. I didn't want to do any of those things. And so it's just this vicious cycle when then you're not doing those things and you feel worse. Mm-hmm. So finally, I decided that medication is what I needed to at least keep me at a level where 
I could be doing the things that helped lessen my anxiety. And I will always support that decision for anyone that, you know, feels like meds are, is what's going to help them get out of bed every day, then absolutely do it. Mm-hmm. Um, the only problem I've had with meds so far, and it's not even really a huge problem, but just finding the meds that work the best for you. Yeah. Um, I'm on my second type of meds now, and I'm actually going on to a different type because I just haven't found the right medication for me yet. And so, you know, obviously there's side effects and stuff, but in the end, knowing that I can get out of bed every single day is worth it for me to be able to find something that is going to work. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that's so true. I talked about that a little bit in the last episode. And I also talked about like, okay, so the medication that I'm on currently is, gosh, it's been the one that I've been on for years now. And I'm so lucky that I haven't had to go through a trial and error period. I mean, obviously, I'm having to up my dosage quite a bit from what I'm used to because it's starting to wear off. So I'm sure at some point I'm going to have to switch. But so far, I just tried one and I had pretty much no side effects other than a little bit of weight gain. And it's been fine. I don't think that's typical. I think a lot of people have to go through trial and error of trying different ones. Yeah, and I guess it also depends on a person's priorities too. Mm-hmm. Um, like I do know some girls that will not go on birth control for fear that it'll cause weight gain. Right. You know. Right. So if weight gain is a huge thing for them, you know, maybe they wouldn't go on a certain med or whatever, and then some would cause a little bit, and they're changing and whatever. Guess it's just based on what's important to you your libido, like whatever it is. That's such a good point. I never even thought of that. I just thought I'd rather be a little bit chunky and not want to kill myself. So, you know? I mean, same. Yeah. Um, But for me, the meds that I'm on right now, you're supposed to take them at the same time every day. And I don't because I, as my nephew put it earlier, I am unstable. (laughs) He's three. He told me I'm unstable. Anyways. Okay, can we just tell that story really quickly? Like, just a quick note version of this story. We were talking about something related to Caitlin in her life, and we were making fun of her a little bit, and I said something about being stable, and Caitlin says, am I stable? And, like, he had a moment of hesitation, and then he goes, no. (laughs) I was like, yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Yeah, he's three years old, so. God bless him. God bless him. Um, anyways, so since I'm not stable, it's really hard for me to take my meds at the same time every day. And because of that, I actually go through withdrawals from my medication every single day. Like even now, I didn't, I took them too late today and I'm feeling a little bit dizzy. So that's obviously not good for me. Right. But if there was someone that could take their meds at the same time every day, you have your shit together. Right. Maybe these meds would be perfect. Uh, yeah no totally totally true depends on the person one more thing that i did want to talk about though and you sort of talked about it but this is a whole other thing for ocd and it's the intrusive thoughts Mm -hmm. and intrusive thoughts are actually separate from the obsessive behavior okay obsessive thoughts are just as they sound something that you keep thinking about over and over again we talk about we talked about the category of germs so i'm thinking about germs all the time And then I do the compulsive thing, wash my hands, where intrusive thoughts are just 
as my psychologist tells me, it's just your brain's way of preparing you for the absolute worst thing that could ever happen. Mm. And intrusive thoughts are like so ridiculously severe that lots of people don't like to talk about them. Mm-hmm. But I also now know that it's like something that is just part of the OCD. Everyone that has OCD has intrusive thoughts of some sort, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but you know. It's and likely. Likely. Everyone gets the intrusive thoughts, and so it's just something I need to work through. But like those, I know those are never going to go away. I know that you know, just because I have an intrusive thought, it doesn't mean that I'm going to act on those intrusive thoughts or... Right, right. I've just, I guess I should say I've just accepted it. It hasn't really made it any easier, mm-hmm. but knowing that I'm going to get another one, just something you got to do. That's a good way to look at it. So the antidepressants that I'm on right now, they're supposed to help with anxiety, which they kind of do, but it's not enough, I would say. However, when I've got my depression under control, I'm able to like regulate my anxiety a little bit better. And so therefore I'm having less intrusive thoughts. It's not something that's happening all day, but definitely there isn't a day that's gone by where it hasn't, even present day feeling the best that I felt in a while. But you know, even when I talk to my therapist about like, oh yeah, I have an intrusive thought of like, if I'm holding a knife in the kitchen and I, because I'm cutting up vegetables and then I happen to walk to the sink for whatever reason to deal with these vegetables and embers crawling on the floor like I have an intrusive thought of I'll accidentally stab him in the head and you know I say those to my therapist and she's validating and and you know I feel crazy but she's like you're not crazy this is just what happens I want to ask you something related to something you said earlier in regards to you know, the unknown cause behind OCD and PTSD. Do you or have you in the past spent a lot of time thinking about why you may have this? Yes and no. I would say part of the EMDR process is going back and thinking about my very earliest memories that give me anxiety. Mm. And so that sort of, I want to say that's kind of pinpointing to a specific time in my life where maybe an event has triggered it or whatever. But as far as me just wanting to know, like, why do I have this, whatever, I've never really thought about it. I'm sort of just like, I was born into this family. And that is my- <laughs> a lot of mental health challenges in our family. A lot. I don't know. I am curious to know if that's typical. Like, is there just so much mental illness that we just don't know about and people just don't talk about it? Or is our family just really messed up? Bit weird, didn't it? Yeah. God bless them. But, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a lot, actually. Yeah. It's uh, quite a few. Um, okay, do you mind if I ask, is there something that you think about that may have triggered it? Like a memory of any kind, if you feel comfortable sharing? No, honestly. A lot of therapy that I've gone through, they've suggested that, you know, maybe it's like something within my childhood that has triggered it. And, you know, that could be. And again, like, we don't know whether it's something that you're born with or not. So we've tried to, like, work through different aspects of my childhood to figure out, honestly, I have no idea. I wish it was easy as being, like, some kid fucking sneezed on me when I was in the second grade and couldn't do germs ever since. Yeah. You know? If only. If only. Do you feel comfortable sharing your earliest memories of 
feeling anxiety so the very first time i remember having an anxiety attack i cheated on a test it was like i don't know a while after the test like i don't think it was like i went home that night and i had an anxiety attack but yeah it was a big thing and one of my compulsions is that i needed to confess so i had talked about i have the category of doing something wrong Mm -hmm. it's probably related to this test back when i was 12 years old so when i do something wrong my compulsion then is to confess Mm -hmm. and so it doesn't really matter usually it's my mom my poor mother it doesn't really matter what it is but if i say i did something wrong this is what i did and she can tell me like that's not wrong like you don't need to worry about that and she can convince me that you know the thing that i did isn't wrong Mm -hmm. then i'm okay or you know sometimes it's not my mom it depends at that point, I went and told my teacher, and she was like, yeah, it's whatever. I don't give a shit. Yeah, it's not the end of the world, God. Yeah. What, were you in sixth grade or something? Seventh grade? I think I was in sixth grade, yeah. Yeah. It, wow. it was a band test, if you can... Wow, interesting. Yeah. That makes it seem even less, um, I guess... Relevant? Yeah, even more, I don't give a shit. Yeah, she was like, fuck, dude, I <laughs> get out of my office. <laughs> Um, I got bigger fish to fry, sis. Yeah. So that's like the first anxiety attack that I've ever had. I remember sitting in my room. It was orange. I had a loft bed. I remember like just like curling up in a little ball on the ground. And I like didn't even really know what was happening at the time. So that was that. But it's funny because just how much my anxiety has gotten worse over the years. I now, if I think back on certain memories... Thinking about those memories gives gives me anxiety, mm-hmm. but at the time that I living it, no anxiety. Which reminds me, all the education today. OCD does get worse. So if you leave OCD untreated, if you aren't constantly doing exposure therapy or going to see a therapist or you know whatever it is that you're doing, if you're not doing one of those things, your OCD does get worse. And it's sort of like you know a kid trying to push the boundaries. They just take a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more and just seeing how far that they can get. That's sort of what it's like. If you are constantly doing your compulsions, it's, you feel good after you do your compulsions. Like I get germs on my hands. I wash my hands. I feel relieved. I feel good. And then, but all of a sudden it's like, I don't even need to touch things anymore. I just need to be near something. And then I wash my hands and I feel good, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's like, does that make sense yes that makes complete sense so it just takes less and less and less to get anxiety and you are doing more and more and more to get rid of it that's how it gets worse all of a sudden you're giving in you're giving in you're giving in Mm -hmm. and doing your compulsions until you know that's what your whole day is is purely compulsions and yeah so that's why it's really important that talk to a therapist or you do exposure therapy you can do exposure therapy on your own you Mm -hmm. you don't need to do uh do it through a therapist but you know you need to be doing something otherwise it will get worse yeah okay yeah so as if having ocd wasn't bad enough you also need to constantly put yourself through hell otherwise it gets worse yeah it's like 24 7 therapy really yeah based off of your experience research it's not a black and white disorder it probably is different for everybody in a lot of ways as well yes totally because well the biggest thing is it's like obsessive compulsive so but it doesn't really matter what you're obsessing about or what your compulsions are Mm. 
germs is, I think, one of the most common ones. Most people that have OCD, I think, has the germs category. Washing your hands, like, that's a pretty common one. But, like, I don't think, like, there are people that wouldn't have the doing something wrong category. Right, right. And so my actions and compulsions and uh, what I'm obsessing about would be totally different than somebody else. Right. So in that way also, it would be, like, if I judged it based purely on what I do to somebody else like it wouldn't be the same you can't do that yeah no that makes sense okay that actually brings me to another interesting thing that I just thought of have you ever had anybody notice you doing compulsions or acting obsessively and ask you about it I actually have the you know (laughs) Facebook memories yeah um I have a status from when I was in high school so before I was diagnosed and it was like my math teacher asked me if I had OCD today lol ah. I'm like what the fuck I haven't really had people notice my compulsions as much as the anxiety because mm-hmm. if I'm with my friends and they want me to do something that like I feel like is wrong I would go into full panic mode mm-hmm. because like I wouldn't want to disappoint my friends I want to be cool you know mm-hmm. I wanted to fit in mm-hmm. but also that was giving me fucking major anxiety. So I would normally just cry. <laughs> yeah. They very much noticed. Mm-hmm. And so now, I mean, I have way less friends than I did back in the day. So they all know what the fuck's going on in the old noggin. But so I can explain now, like, hey, I either can't do this or I just need to go wash my hands or whatever it is. And they're like, yeah, cool. So when you think about everything that you are experiencing right now do you see a light at the end of the tunnel or does it feel like it's just going to be difficult forever it feels like it's going to be difficult forever yeah i don't know it's just sort of sometimes it's really hard for me and i want to cry all the time and i'm like what is the point Mm -hmm. and then sometimes i'm like this just is what it is it's just my life is harder than some people's Mm mm-hmm But some people also have it worse than me and I just got to continue with my life. Everything's a goddamn balance. Yeah. Is there something about your OCD that you could say positively? Actually, I have talked about this with my therapist before. What I do like about it is that everything that I have in my life is something that I've truly worked for, Mm -hmm. especially like me, you know, taking significant grade cuts in school Mm -hmm. because I just wouldn't do assignments for fear that you know, someone had the same answer as me or whatever. Mm -hmm. I earned that degree Mm -hmm. by myself. Didn't get help from anyone. That is my degree. And so there are certain things like I've, you know, worked for everything that I have. And, you know, I'm very honest. And there are a bunch of good qualities that I have because, you know, I just don't want to do anything wrong. Right. So. Absolutely. There are good things. I still wouldn't recommend getting OCD. Like, the (laughs) bad definitely outweighs the good. Can you get it the same way you get chlamydia? (laughs) You know that TikTok where it's like, if you haven't gotten chlamydia this summer, you're doing something wrong. No. I had to delete TikTok. When I say I had to, I meant I was not willing to keep it any longer. Yeah, I was like, chlamydia isn't even bad these days. Like, if you got chlamydia, or if you haven't gotten chlamydia this summer, it means you haven't been hoeing it up enough. It's just a metal that you wear now. Holy shit, eh? You take a Z-pack and you fucking get on with her. Holy fuck, I had no idea. I actually have never had chlamydia. What? Never. Wow. Yeah. 
Does that shock you considering how much of an absolute slut bag I used to be? Yeah. No, I've never had it. Good for you. Thank you. What a topic, eh? What a topic. I'm fucking exhausted. Thank you so much for talking about all that with me. You're welcome, you owe me. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Thanks for listening while we learn to bloom.